Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and I'm very happy to have you here with me today. This podcast endeavors to explore a full-spectrum spirituality, and that includes all the messy bits of our life, the bright and beautiful bits of our life, and I try to formulate an approach to spiritual practice, whether it's yoga or meditation, in a way that unifies these two and brings us into a sense of unified uh, wholeness of being. So today's episode is a Dharma talk that I gave last week, and it kicks off really uh, the fall 2021 season in the online practice community that Terry and I facilitate called the Riverbird Sangha. And in this talk, I really try to celebrate the, the anniversary of our Sangha with a metaphor for the the awakened mind that Ajahn Chah gave. And the metaphor is of a still forest pool. So I'll be reflecting on that and how it relates to the practices of good relationship and good perception that we develop on the path. Um, In addition, I I give an overview for the progression of meditative development that I'll be reflecting on this fall. And this is going to be a series of sort of shorter reflections about meditation practice with specific instructions that really develop and prepare the mind for deep insight. So the development begins with the alignment around the wise qualities of the heart that are referred to in in various spiritual traditions, but in Buddhism, which include kindness, compassion, joy, and peace. And from approaching that the development of those qualities from both yin and yang perspectives, I will then transition the instructions or develop the instructions further into exploring what is sometimes called vipassana or insight practice. So sometime around October or and into November, I'll be shifting the emphasis of the instructions for meditation into the territory of vipassana practice. Again, covering both Vipassana from yin and yang perspectives, the active, the receptive, the directive, and the allowing. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, moving uh, this audience, and particularly the members of the Sangha, through this, through this progression. I spent last year really establishing the, the foundation practice that I call yin meditation, which holds the intention of just developing a good relationship to whatever goes on within your experience when you sit, namely particularly being okay and groovy with when your mind wanders. I try to really establish that mind wandering is not a problem. It's just simply the phases of time where consciousness takes a nap, N-A-P. A nap stands for not a problem. Uh, so from, from yin meditation and also within that practice, establishing the safety of the perch, these two things together, the receptivity and the, and the safety of the perch really allow, I think, the more specific contemplative inquiries of vipassana to unfold in a more straightforward and easeful manner, with far less tension, far less frustration, and far less struggle. 
So I really invite you to join us on this journey this fall. Stay tuned on the podcast. But if you would like to practice with us directly live or through the recordings in our library online, please consider joining the Riverbird Sangha. Terry and I offer four classes weekly. I do a meditation on Mondays with a talk and discussion. I teach a Wednesday yin yoga class that sort of echoes on the themes of the talk. And Terry teaches a yin yoga qigong class on Tuesday and a yang yoga class on Thursday that are also very popular. Um, And of course, if you can't make any of the live sessions, we have a deep bank of recorded classes, workshops, and tutorials in our library, which come free of access with your membership subscription. And to that point, we offer a tiered paid subscription model, as well as a free beneficiary subscription option. So whatever your budget, we encourage you to practice with us, and we welcome your participation sincerely. Okay, now without further ado, I bring you today's talk, A Still Forest Pool. Today, it's September 13th, and and this is the anniversary eve of the Sangha's conception. We began on November or September 14th uh, last year, and uh, we were just Terry and I were just joking that a year and a half ago, you weren't even a twinkle in our eye <laughs> as we entered in the pandemic. We didn't know what was going on. Um, but this has been uh, the direction we've wanted to move in, and um, and you're all a huge integral part of it, obviously. And we're very grateful to have you return and uh, continue on practicing um, in our practice community community together. Um, and so, just as a a way to sort of commemorate this this passage of our first year together, um, and to to sort of set the tone or set the stage or Point the point the compass direction of where uh, we'll be moving this fall. The, the sort of the, the course of practice I'll be um, encouraging us to explore together throughout this fall. Um, I thought it would be helpful to to draw on a metaphor that I heard years ago from. Uh, it was actually in a book, but it was from the the Thai forest teacher, so Ajahn Chah, this great teacher of the last century from Thailand. Um, who compared the development of the mind in meditation to a still forest pool, a still forest pool. And um, I want to share with you the passage in which he he mentions this, and then I, I want to just offer a few reflections around it, and then from those reflections, give you a sense of the direction where uh, I'm going to be taking or pointing us this fall um, in the Sangha. So this is from Ajahn Chah. He says, try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. This is in meditation, of course. So in meditation, try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become still in any surrounding, like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful, strange, and rare animals will come to drink at the pool, and you will clearly see the nature of all these things. You'll see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This 
is the happiness of the Buddha. Now, there's a lot there, um, and in some sense, what I'll be reflecting on and, and teaching from over the course of the fall will be unpacking a lot of what's intimated in this passage. Um, but in terms of what Terry and I within the Sangha are, are really trying to support and provide as an opportunity here, um, one way to think about it is that we, we offer a suite of practices, the, the meditation, the yoga, qigong, that are in, in many ways practices that are pointing us, all of us, into uh, the still nature of the mind that's already here. Uh, we're, we're learning to, to see the conditions of our experience as we, as we sit and recognize thoughts as thoughts and sounds as sounds. And in seeing things come and go, we can start to intimate and intuit uh, a deeper dimension, deeper reservoir of stillness through which all of this, this changing, flowing experience comes and goes. And this is really uh, going to be a, a central feature or central theme of the fall is, is to um, first conceptually understand what kind of stillness this, this passage is referring to because there's, you could say there's many kinds of stillnesses there's stillness of thought the stillness of environment or stillness of a situation but this is point this passage and this path is pointing to a a, a, a different kind of stillness it's a stillness of consciousness uh, relative to the things that are coming going coming and going within consciousness and What's truly, I think, tremendously powerful about the contemplative path is that you don't have to agree with what I just said. You don't have to believe with what I believe anything of what I just said. The the path, um, in some respects, is a collection of tools and tips, practices to realize the truth of that, to, to either verify or reject the truth of that statement in your own heart. So uh, this is, I remember when I was reading from the Kalama Sutta before we broke about how um, we don't want to go by based, go by what someone else has said or what a, an old book or text has said or what some charismatic guru has said, but we want to know these things for ourselves and discover the, the essence of the experience ourselves. And to that end, in exploring stillness together, and then the, the wisdom that is born from that kind of contemplative stillness. Um, my hope, and our hope, I should say, is that just like uh, we all need water for our survival, we all need to drink water in some form for our survival. We need air, we need food, we need shelter, we need water. And that water becomes a nourishment. And in my practice, uh, and in talking to many friends and some of you on the path, uh, the experience of stillness, of, of, of recognizing the inherent stillness of the mind, be can become a tremendously nourishing um, dimension or feature of one's life. Uh, there's so many things that can agitate, aggravate in the world, in our own minds, and being able to recognize this 
feature of our of our being can become a, a, a tremendous source of renewal and and energy and and nourishment on the path and uh, meaning on the path through our life so that's on that's one level of, of what i i see how, of how this sangha this practice community um, holds this intention of of offering reflections about the path offering tools and tips and practices about the path so that we're supported or all supported together in looking for ourselves looking internally within ourselves really examining wrestling sometimes with things within ourselves but ultimately the fruit that's born of this process is the recognition of the stillness of the still for still forest pool and so then this is what i would what i just was talking about i would call the experience of intrapersonal stillness meaning the, the stillness within each of us that we uncover and recognize and in a more maybe poetic sense i also see the the community that forms here and and the um the, the, the sort of the space that's held within the sangha as a as a kind of forest still forest pool within which we can uh, join together here and reflect and listen to reflections on teachings we can reflect on what other people reflect back about the teachings and in that all that reflection we we can fill in and flesh out the nature of how we come to understand our own hearts our own minds and this dimension of stillness so i just would want to acknowledge the sort of the, the the full year now and 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 the deepening that i sense go occurring within this group and and i just want to appreciate that and and celebrate it in a way this is um we never when we started a year ago we had no idea what people would be turning up showing up if we'd be talking to a bunch of crickets um and so it's it's really with a deep sense of appreciation uh, for your practice and the sincerity that you all bring to your practice that is i think um really the the, the fiber that is making this experience quite quite powerful for us and for many of you from that i've heard from so thank you now this fall um if i if i were to reflect back retroactively around the last year i would say the two big themes that i've tried to address and reflect upon in different ways are the themes of what i tend to refer to as yin meditation and the themes around the challenges of meditative practice or contemplative practice and the challenges uh, if you recall from the beginning of this calendar year i referred to them as they are in the tradition they're referred to as the hindrances the difficult energies that um, have been documented through through the centuries of practitioners that have um, applied the tools of practice to their life and encountered these difficulties that, that there's a way to work with these so that they the obstacles that turn up the challenges that turn up become the very um, energy the very conditions through which the path unfolds and opens further so that the, the the desiring mind the mind that has 
cravings, the mind that has its dislikes, its aversions, its its uh, even its hatreds, its envies, the confused mind, the cloudy mind, the restless mind, the agitated mind, the doubtful mind, all of those energies with, that can agitate, that can bring great confusion um, as we practice. I wanted to normalize them. So they're not seen in any way as a problem. I wanted to normalize them to the extent that I want to really help you begin to work with that energy so that um, that you you weren't frustrated, put off, or, or, or sensing that there's something wrong with you personally for experiencing difficult energy in the practice. Difficult energy is inevitable on this on this path. But the brilliance of the path is that when we encounter difficult energy, which I loosely refer to as disharmony, the path provides us with multiple tools, multiple reflections, multiple ways of working with those challenges to harmonize them whereby and this is this is what the connection between stillness when those difficult energies are harmonized and understood really in a, in a contemplative way it's that understanding of their difficulty that catalyzes the recognition of stillness in other words you don't get no one experience encounters the, the inherent nature of stillness in the mind without coming to terms with the difficulties you know, you can't bypass them. You can't circumnavigate around them. But by like developing, uh, and I would say developing upon skill sets you probably already have because you have all made it to an adulthood in your life. So you've worked with, I know you, many of you worked with challenges we, and on a variety of different levels. And we can take the learning we already have acquired and I would say refine it at a deeper level of, into the structure of the mind, where we can start to see more uh, like a, a micro level or a really up close granular level at how a difficulty will arise, how that will condition our experience, our perception of things. And in understanding that, we can start to see through the very hypnotizing trance of that presentation we don't deny that presentation we don't annihilate it we can just start to see its ephemeral transitory nature and when it, it, when you see that over and over again it starts to lose its sting internally and i would say a, a another dimension of our being starts to be felt not as a sensation so much but just as a as a field of, of presence that is capable of holding these transitory ephemeral changing experiences that are coming and going so that was a little bit more on the challenges of practice i wanted to mention or plan to mention but uh, connected to that is the idea that of yin meditation that rather than um, often what people what people try to do is they try to focus their attention quite strongly in meditation they try to become still they might have the hold the view that you have to focus on your breath or repeat your mantra and have your main mind and 
uh, trained in an unwavering way on the object of attention. That's how you get to stillness, focusing and, and drilling into one thing. Um, but that often has that that type of practice, that approach to practice, often carries with it a, a real charge of harshness. And that harshness, while it can be capable of muscling you into a, a kind of a still state, that's a very fragile experience, and it's one that's often um, tends to fall apart as soon as the effort applied can't be sustained anymore. Meaning, like once you're once you're not practicing formally, that sense of stillness quickly gets is is, is scattered or lost. So, my premise, and this is what I want to ease us into this this fall season. My premise is that stillness um, is more readily accessed in general. And this is a general statement, but I, my hunch is that stillness is more readily accessed when um, there's much more ease and gentleness within our mind's sort of uh, orientational intention towards the practice. So when we orient our, our, our tension and intention to being with ourselves and looking internally, the gentler, kinder, softer, more receptive we can be, it allows us to settle through the inevitable challenges that come up or settle within the inevitable challenges that come up and, and understand them more to prom help promote this deeper recognition of stillness, the, the stillness of presence. So yin meditation, the challenges of practice, um, are really my, my best intro to this path that we, we covered this last year. To really, to, and my intention has been to help everyone establish a really familiar foundation of that feeling of, of being receptive and gentle to whatever may arise while you're practicing, with the caveat that if something arises outside of your tolerance threshold, if some experience that is becomes very strong, overwhelming, or just you know that if you stay with it too long, it's going to produce that kind of overwhelm and flooding experience. In those cases, it's always important to remember that you have a perch of attention to bring your awareness back to. So you can play your edge with it, with the experience. And, 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 and I think that's a hugely important piece so that you don't feel like you have to be present to everything. That would be too extreme. But with the domain or within the, 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 kinds of experiences that you are able to work with that you find tolerable you may not find them pleasant but you find them tolerable that's the the growth edge where i will encourage you to practice the the yin qualities of gentleness receptivity and kindness and so i'll be offering a few more reflections about this kind of a theme for the next couple of weeks and um, if you have time, if you go into the library on the Sangha's, um, go into the, the, the library section of, of our website and look under workshops, there's a, uh, a workshop on called Yin to Yang meditation that I gave on Saturday. And that's, that's available to all Sangha members for free. 
Um, so please avail yourself of that. That that's another um, reflect a series of reflections I gave on on this theme that I'm going to be developing for a few weeks. Um, but from this establishment of receptivity, kindness, gentleness to experience this, the, the really trying to establish a, a, a heart of non-contention. It's a word I, I remember Ajahn Amaro using. I, I really resonated with myself. Is what does that mean to have a heart of non-contention? It doesn't mean you don't like everything or it doesn't mean you do like everything. It's just that you're intending not to pick up unnecessary conflicts. You're intending not to get entangled with unnecessary tensions. So this is, this is, and this is a practice, but as that energy of receptivity, allowance and kindness strengthens, it's natural to feel times when your experience becomes quite in different words will resonate with different people, but your experience can will tend to settle down like a like a vessel of water when it's not being agitated. If it's just put down, the vessel of water comes to stillness. This is another metaphor that's often used for the for the mind in meditation. We don't have to do anything to this vessel of water other than just let it be placed down and let it come to rest. When that happens, our minds become still. Or, the, or we recognize, I should say, the consciousness that is still relative to the content of consciousness moving within our consciousness. Now that's a clunky, I'm listening to myself, that's a clunky phrase to use consciousness three different ways. <laughs> but we have, and this is, and so if it's confusing, not to worry, this is, this is really the, the, the theme I'm going to be um, opening up over several weeks, really for the first three months this fall and into November, or at least through, yeah, into November, September, October, November. Um, but as, as the mind becomes quieter, or as we recognize the quiet dimension of the mind, then our level, our ability to perceive the nature, the contemplative nature of our experience becomes sharper. And, and this is the territory of what in Buddhism is referred to as Vipassana meditation. Vipassana is a fancy word that is used to describe a style of meditation that emphasizes simply clear perception, clearly seeing sounds as sounds, sensations as sensations, thoughts as thoughts, feelings as feelings, tastes as tastes, smells as smells the six major sense impressions or, or sensory data that comprise our moment-to-moment -moment contemplative experience. And I and I'm keep tacking that word contemplative onto experience because we all have a whole history of other kinds of experience in different contexts. So the word experience in different contexts could refer to like, nature of a relationship, the nature of a societal problem, the nature of a power differential, the nature of international conflict. There's like that the, the nature of experience could be very different in those different contexts. But in the meditative journey, the nature of experience comes down to understanding how thoughts behave, sensations behave, feelings behave, etc. 
And that's the territory of Vipassana. So as we move along this fall, uh, particularly in about three weeks, I'll start to be presenting instructions that I have received in both Burmese, Thai traditions, and in, uh, traditions in the West around um, tools for developing this clear, this contemplatively clear perception of, of Vipassana meditation. <clears throat> but I want to begin, as I, as I already mentioned, I want to begin this, this false session um, with just a, a brief review and development of the kinds of intentions that I think support recognizing stillness in our being. And again, this is not so much technique-based. This isn't so much about, you know, getting a, the right the technique, the technique right so that you you see your mind um, become still. It's more um, really tapping in to your heart's intention, your heart's, in a sense, dedicated energy, and 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 nourishing that energy with the practice. Or nurturing that energy. So the 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 practice tonight, and we're going. To, well, I'll give a, have a sitting shortly, but the practice building on the, the 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 sort of the tenets of Yin meditation, which is again just to review. Uh, one tenet is to establish a perch for your attention or for your awareness. So that tends to. Um, work well when when a meditator chooses some neutral feature of their experience that is is easy and and not complicated for them to rest their attention on so something simple just like your hands resting on your lap or your the the the, the felt sense of your body sitting on the on the chair or against the a couch or a cushion or the fairly neutral. And if, if the sounds aren't neutral, I wouldn't choose this. But if you live in a, a place where there's, there's sort of environmental sounds, like the passing of traffic and um, maybe car doors opening and closing or birds chirping or people walking by, if there's just sort of neutral, uh, basic everyday sounds coming and going, the, the field of sounds can be the perch that you let your attention rest on. And from that perch, the yin practice, the yin meditation style or the approach of yin meditation encourages you to be receptive to what unfolds returning to the perch and anytime you need be and as i said in the in in the, the workshop on yin meditation the, the primary intention around the yin practice is to be okay or develop an okayness with the natural oscillation of consciousness which is to be awake Hi, I'm here. I know I'm here. I, I'm awake. I can say, and then the, the state of consciousness to be asleep, where you you're sitting here, but your mind is departed into a. a, a, an, a I, I don't say the word like in any way disparaging, but an imaginary. A, a, I mean, an inner world born out of imagination, which can will be drawing from memories and and, and histories and anticipations and anxieties. So there's this imaginary uh, second universe that our mind departs into, our consciousness departs into and travels within that self-generated inner universe. I just call it the dreaming state. 
And yin meditation from the from the beginning explicitly says it's okay for the consciousness to dream and it's okay for consciousness to be present in the awake state. And the reason I really focus on this is that most people, when they come to meditation, only try to be in the awake state and they get really frustrated with themselves when they go into the dream state. So there's this inner fight and struggle that can, that that again becomes that kind of that energy that that snarls the whole process up. So if you if you really work with this and find that you you become groovy with dreaming and waking, that's the yin emphasis. Groovy with with dreaming and waking. Then the next the the next addition I want to add to the practice now is this yang element that is in the phase of your experience or in the times of your meditation when you're conscious the light is aware on again you know that you're here you may be aware of all sorts of other things too but you know that you know what's going on you're present in those moments and you don't have to do this all the time but when the, the light of consciousness turns on then i would encourage you to just from time to time, intone the, your intention of kindness or intone your heart's intention for how you want to be with yourself, with your inner world, and ultimately with your outer world. And I'm, I'm just using the word kindness as a placeholder. Suggestion. But I want to leave it open for all of you to, to find and articulate for yourself your own heart's yearning. And the, the closer you get to your own articulation, I think the more um, gravity that personalization of your intention draws you in. Um, so in, in the moments when you're awake, one yang or more specific tool is something I've mentioned before, but I want to reiterate it because it, I think it's a really helpful one, which is to, um, I'm trying to not shape, not form, but to, to uh, allow a, a gentle smile or the energy of a smile to suffuse across your face or even feel a sense of a smile resonating from your heart, like you might feel if you're listening to a really good friend, someone that you care about. If you're having a heart-to-heart, -heart, if you know what that's like, you have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation and you're the listener. To feel that's the softness of your heart as you listen to your own experience. So that's the idea of a, a gentle smile. And then from the smile, um, and this is not like a big grin. It's just, it's, I think of it more like an energetic softness in the face or through the eyes or, or more centered in the chest. But from this intoned smile, sometimes, you don't have to do this all the time, like the smile, it's, it's, it's something you, you play with from time to time. But sometimes it can be really helpful just to ask a question of yourself, you know, sort of formulate a contemplative question gently coach you in the meditation. 
And the question, the, fr- the f- sort of question that I like to ask is something like, what would it mean to practice within this experience with kindness? Or what would it mean to hold this experience kindly? And just to let the question organize kind of your heart's energy or oriented towards what's occurring. And just see what it's like. I'm not saying you have to feel kind or have a particularly positive or negative or any kind of feeling state in relationship to what's going on. It's more you're orienting your own compass towards how you want to be towards your own around your own value system really how do you value being with experience and can you nudge yourself gently with a question to to just call that forth and see how the opening with the question in a kind of an open-ended way mobilizes the relational aspects of your mind and heart towards what's occurring. So I think I'll, that's, that's just a recap of sort of where we've been and where we're going. And I just want to leave you, before we go into the sitting, um, I'm debating whether to just read this in the sitting. I think I'll read it now first. This is, this is a, a short passage I, I, I recently came across from um, a teacher that I have worked with many times. I've, I've, I was thinking I've probably been on more retreats with her than anybody else. Um, and she's from Cambridge, and many of you may know her too. Narayan um, Levinson was the, the, I think the directive, the directing teacher at the Cambridge Insight Med- Meditation Center. Um, and in her new book on on the heart qualities of practice, called the Magnanimous Heart. She says this, and I think this is really sums up a lot of what I'm trying to uh, reflect on in many of our sessions. She wrote, if we practice with great intent and dedication, the practice becomes our life. Instead of practice being something we do, it's something we are. We become aware of a great secret treasure within our own hearts, an ease and peace that cannot be destroyed. Of course, this is really not a secret. It has been realized, understood, and taught by countless sages before. However, it's the key thing, however, it is a completely different thing to discover this truth for ourselves than to hear it from others. We meditate to discover that which is beyond conditions. We meditate to tame our minds and to train our hearts to discover for ourselves a peace that is truly unconditioned. And in my note card, I put an asterisk for a footnote after the word tame. So she says, we meditate to tame our minds. I asterisk to tame. Tame, it's a, it's a, it's a verb that comes up. You see it in the, in all the old, old teachings, the old suttas and and different traditions. 
um, it, it sort of implies that the, the mind's nature on its own is like this wild animal that needs to be disciplined and tied to a post and, and tamed. Um, so I, I asked, made an asterisk at that word and I said, if I were to rewrite the sentence with all due respect to Narayan, <laughs> I would say, we meditate to harmonize our minds and uncover our heart of hearts. So it's not so much about changing the, the, the nature of the mind. It's about understanding and waking up to something that's, 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 that's embedded there already, that just is often overlooked, glanced past, not recognized. And in that, because of that, it, there, there is a, there's a need for a practice to uncover and recover this dimension of our heart. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's talk. I hope it stimulates some good reflection and exploration in your own practice. And most of all, I hope it really points you into your own dimension of stillness and peace within. Please consider, once again, if you're interested in practicing with us live online, please consider joining our Riverbird Sangha. And there's a link for you in the show notes for how you can go about doing that. Until next time, please stay safe, keep practicing, Take care of yourself, stay strong, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take good care.